Welcome into the Cyclone Scoop. I'm Alex Halstead from 24-7 Sports. Uh, talking here on a Thursday, uh, less than a week to go until Iowa State begins spring football. And that's the purpose of this episode. I'm joined by Ames Tribune, Iowa State beat writer Dylan Mons. Uh, Dylan, we're talking right now. It's snowing outside. I was watching spring training baseball today, so I'm kind of caught in between of whether it's spring football season or we're still in winter. Oh, I, you'd almost think we're kind of coming up on bowl games and stuff with the way the, the winter's behaving. But all day, I've um, when I've been kind of looking over some football stuff, I've been thinking about uh, Matt Campbell and company are probably pretty glad that the Bergstrom Indoor Complex exists right now. Otherwise, uh, they might be just up with their hands in the air a little bit on, on what to do in the next week. But yeah, it's, it's odd to say the least. So Iowa State does begin spring football on March 12th. It goes through April 20th. But this weather has played a role in the reason there is not going to be a spring game. So it's now two straight years, no spring game. Last year it was scheduled. It snowed that day, I guess. It was flurries. Um, This year they've kind of anticipated along with the building or the beginning of the building of the Sports Performance Center, the $90 million project. That's going to start, I guess, groundbreaking around that time. So no spring game. Um, but spring ball does go from March 12th through April 20th. They'll get the 15 spring practices. Um, and that's kind of the purpose I wanted to have you on to kind of look ahead to what we're looking for and that and whatnot. And I guess um, we're not going to see them the first few weeks. We're going to see them for the first time on March 26th. And I guess just to start there, when you get there March 26th, I think we're going to be there for two hours. Is there anything that sticks out like you got to see while we're at that first spring ball? Yeah, there's a lot of things that comes to mind, and it, it is going to be kind of a different spring just knowing that there's not going to be a game of sorts. Um, you know, it's always been kind of nice in the past. Obviously, they don't really mean anything other than you can maybe kind of see what way the coaches are thinking about some things and who's getting reps because it's usually the um, second and third team guys that, that are really kind of involved there. But I think when I get there on March 26th, one of the big things I'm going to look for, and this is going to be ever-changing, and something that's really going to kind of come up through summer and in the fall is what the offensive line looks like and maybe what they're thinking with that group. If they're sticking with the same five guys in in that starting you know lineup, so to speak, uh, do, does Colin Newell come in at center? Is he working there? Is Julian Good-Jones moving at center? Are they trying some new guys at left tackle? Um, and I think that we've talked about this before maybe, but the right side for now at least seems kind of solid with Kniffle at guard and, and Bryce Meeker at tackle. But um, the left side and center maybe is something that could be tweaked around. Um, you know, running backs, it's going to be a little bit different because um, Brees Hall will be here, but Jirel Brock isn't. Um, but maybe w- what those guys are looking like uh, with Kanae Wangu and Sheldon Crony and Johnny Lang, um, you know, who's who's kind of standing out there, who's taking kind of over the leadership responsibilities. Um, and then wide receiver, too. I, I think that's another one of the biggest questions. And I know um, I'm kind of talking all offense here, and there's plenty on defense that we can get to. But I think um, who's maybe running with the first group type um, without Hakeem Butler, I think Tariq Milton is a guy that can step in. Um, but is is it a Sean Shaw that is is maybe the bigger body out there? Is Joseph Skates a guy that kind of slides in there? I, I, those are all things I'm I'm looking for on offense. And then, like I said, there's defense. There's plenty of things too. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about the offensive line thing, but you know that makes a lot of sense of seeing who's starting. I guess I just assumed it's going to be the same as the Alamo Bowl. But the more you think about it, maybe it will be the practice we see. Although when we see them, you know, typically when we see a spring practice, it's the first one. So you're you're seeing, I guess. A sh- them figuring things out still. So we're going to see them kind like of, about two weeks in. Right. It's When you see them for the first time, it is almost kind of like a group that we saw from last season. It's basically the guys that – the second team guys that slide up. But it, it, that's a good point, too, like you mentioned. It's going to be a little bit in the practice that we can see these guys. And they don't show us much. Right. Know, they're, gonna, they're pretty basic when we get to see them. But we will see who they trot out there with the number ones across that line. And maybe it will be the same as the Alamo Bowl. But I guess that was an interesting point to me because – you know, Trevor Downing and Joey Ramos are two guys that spent last year as on the two deep as true freshmen. Trevor Downing got into two games, and Matt Campbell's been mentioning him that he was nipping at the heels of these guys. And so, four of the five guys that were in that Alamo Bowl group are going to be seniors this spring. I, I just have kind of assumed that's going to be the five they put out there, but it's going to be probably a competition, and maybe maybe we will see them at least sub guy sub a. Uh, 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 Trevor Downing in at a left guard or uh, Joey Ramos in at right tackle or something through with those ones. That would be interesting to watch. And then the other thing I'm kind of interested to see is um, 
kind of these coaches working with some of these guys in terms of what's Tom Manning like working with running backs? Uh, you know, I think he's kind of, I think, excited because he's an offensive line guy at heart. That's been his whole thing. And he's, as the offensive corner, I think going to be working closely with Jeff Myers on the offensive line still. But he almost seemed excited in talking to him that he gets to now see a complete overview of the offense. You know, when you're coaching the offensive line, you're watching, you know, left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. It's five guys at a time, and it's hard to focus on other positions. When you're coaching running backs, it's you're teaching ball security and those sorts of things. It's kind of a little bit more hands-off, at least in, in practice. And so he can maybe know a little bit more what's going on. So I'm interested to see that. And, and Matt Capone is going to be coaching. Is it? He's going to coach the safeties, the corners, and then DK McDonald's going to coach the safeties. And so there's a little bit of switch up there. So that would be interesting to see some of those coaches working with guys and even Nate Shieldhouse moving out to work with receivers. Um, it'll just be interesting to see that that uh, part of it too. So there's a lot of different things to, to watch on March 26th. And then other than that, we'll just be hearing from coaches, you know, through April 20th. Yeah. And that's kind of an interesting point with this, the secondary coaches that you talked about, John Haycock, it doesn't sound like he's going to have a position per se, but that gives him a little bit more of an opportunity to step back and kind of take a, a broad view of what the defense is. And I think that's that it gives him more time to scheme and, and kind of think about personnel instead of doing the technique type coaching, which I'm sure he'll still do plenty of, but it's not as, much in demand because you have the guys that are on staff that can do it now. And it's a little bit similar, as you mentioned with Tom Manning, where um, it's maybe not as intensive as offensive line coaching is. So you get to kind of, um, again, you, you can scheme a little bit and, and, you know, worry about game plans or worry about um, maybe what, what is working. It, it just gives you a little bit different of perspective. Um, so I, I, th I think that's an interesting point. And um, again, there's, there's not been a ton of uh, turnover on the defensive staff. They've, they've only just added Capone um, and a little bit more of a shakeup on offense. So it's, it's kind of changed year to year a little bit um, on that side of the ball. So seeing how it all fits together now early on in the spring is, is going to be fascinating to watch. Spring isn't really the time that we find anything out schematically you know we'll we'll find a little bit out about position battles and stuff but even that kind of goes to the fall I think fall camp's a lot more interesting because you're, you're so close to the season it feels like the depth chart is getting finalized from what happened in the spring and summer um, but the spring is still interesting obviously because it's a year-round sport anymore and um, I think it's just interesting to see the ramp up especially when I would say it's winning fans are more interested in all these little battles even though um, until fall camp, they don't mean it, Tom. I mean, when you look back a couple years back, Marcel Spears wasn't on the spring depth chart. Which is still crazy. I remember and, that. And then he, you know, started every game that season. And, you know, we didn't really – we knew who he was We from recruiting and we knew he was on the roster. But he's almost like one of those guys that, like, he's got a play soon. Otherwise, is he going to be here? And then he showed up on the, the depth chart at Big 12 Media Days in Dallas. And so it that kind of highlights that the spring is not the end-all, be-all. But at the same time, some names that we've heard in the spring in the years past have then emerged. You know, even you know, Ryan Vance was a name I think we heard last year. Colin Newell was a name we were hearing last spring, I want to say, although I might have be getting my timelines confused. But sometimes you hear those names and then they translate over into the fall. But at the same time, it's not the full roster. You know, Mike Rose was not in spring ball last year. Then all of a sudden he's starting at middle linebacker. And so there's a Brees Hall. There's a Jared Hufford, um, you know, on the offensive line. Some of these early enrollees, I think Easton Dean at quarterback, no one's expecting him to come to start, but quarterbacks are always intriguing. So there are pieces that make it interesting, battles that begin now, but the battles really won't end till fall camp. So that's the whole thing. But let's switch over, and we'll go through some of those position battles here in a minute. But I guess in a broad picture, what are the biggest questions that you have entering, entering spring? I mean, position battles are going to be, I think, a big one that we'll just go into those in a minute. But are there any broad questions outside of the position battles that are like, these are the big questions that they've got to start to answer or maybe fully answer in the spring. Yeah, I think it's almost kind of like what I highlighted and what I'm going to be watching for the first time we get to see him. I think if I was, I, I think offensive line again, and until that really turns the corner, I think that's going to be the number one thing that, that has to get solved is can you find a cohesive group? And there were times where it seemed like they, they kind of got it together and, and things were clicking like they should be. But Overall, um, I think that's still a group. It's so hard too because um, you know that's such a development position. You got to get guys in um, a that that fit kind of what you want to do schematically, and then b they just got to get older and get experience. So 
I think that is a, kind of a question. What does that group look like now? I think we kind of glossed over that a little bit and talked about it. But uh, what is that going to look like in the fall, I think, is is another big thing. And then um, who replaces Hakeem Butler? Uh, and I'll go this last one on offense and then one on defense. But, uh, you know, just not only the production, but just the presence that he had on the field, I think, you know, that's such a hard hard position and a hard type of body to to just go and plug in and that's not saying there's not anybody on the roster that can do it but just we haven't seen it yet so who is that guy is it a Sean Shaw is it a Joseph Skates um you know what happens with the tight ends uh, what are the ramifications for them because Hakeem Butler's gone do they get a little bit more looks uh, so those are all things that I think I'm I'm going to be wondering about or paying attention to and then on defense um, what does that safety position look like um, we know Greg Eisworth is going to be back and that's really important um, they have corners they feel good about in Daytron Young and Anthony Johnson um, but who really kind of fills out the back end because DeAndre Payne was so good and being able to kind of shift and move wherever they needed them. So who kind of takes on those types of roles or this is kind of what I'm going to be looking for. So those are the few of the things that I had at least thought about. Yeah. I'll be a little bit different just to mix it up a little bit, but one of, one of mine, and this is kind of, it's, it's a hard one to answer because I don't even know if it's really a question. I think it's more of an internal question. That's probably got to be answered. And that's, you know, who's the leader of this team because David Montgomery was so important you know, people don't people see the almost three thousand yards over the last three years and the touchdowns and the force missed tackles and what he meant to the running game, but he really did play a huge role, I think, behind the scenes, leadership wise. Um, obviously him, but even a Willie Harvey and a Brian Peavy, those guys have just been at with this program since the beginning of the Matt Campbell era and they've kind of all been pieces that feel like have kind of helped them get through some of those different things. I think Ray Lima is going to be that guy, um, probably partially defensively, although he's he's more of a quiet guy. He doesn't like to do a whole lot of talking. I do think that is an interesting point. So I do think um, he does command a certain amount of respect. I think if he does say anything, guys, listen. So that he's got kind of that in his back pocket. That's actually, I think, what some teammates have said is that he talks so little that when he does say something, it's like you better listen to him. And, and he's just kind of like – I don't know. He just kind of just feels like a, a big piece to that, what that defense has been, even though his numbers don't just pop out at you. I mean, Matt Campbell's called him the unsung hero, and I think just behind the scenes, he's meant a lot. Um, but then offensively, kind of who is that piece? Matt Campbell's really looking for that from for that from Brock Purdy. You know, Purdy last year, I think he was probably a little bit more vocal than maybe some true freshman would be, but he still, I think, was that true freshman that is trying to find his place in that regard. And Matt Campbell has said, and it, it sounds cliche because there's probably developmental areas that people, you know, want to know what's the next step from there. But everybody says the next step for him is what he can do in terms of commanding the offense, whereas people know, you know, it's coming from Purdy. And Mike Leach actually talked about that um, back in the um, in the bowl game, leading, leading up to that bowl game, that that's what kind of makes a, a good quarterback, whether it was Gardner or Minshew coming in for them or Brock Purdy coming in for Iowa State is – um, you have to have a quarterback that that takes the reins of the offense, isn't really passive, and I think that's kind of the step um, for Purdy. So that's one thing is kind of the leadership. Who are the captains of this team? Uh, because they do lose some of those guys. Um, but the other piece of it, I think, is how much does the offense change with Tom Manning? Because we've heard that you know he's going to bring back new ideas, and I don't think we'll hear any of those new ideas. It's probably not going to be a question we answer with our own eyes until we see games, but does he bring back wrinkles from the NFL? Do they do different things now that they've, this is the first time they've had Brock Purdy in spring ball. You know, everything they did with Purdy was kind of on the fly last year. Now they can actually scheme around him, whether that's with um, the run game or the pass game. So I think both of those are areas that I'm pretty interested in. But the overlying thing, the, the biggest questions probably ultimately come down to position battles that, you know, every question you mentioned, you want to know who they replace place Hakeem Butler with. That boils back down to a position battle. And David Montgomery, how do you replace them? That boils down to a position battle. And that's kind of the big thing. And there's not a ton of position battles, but I think the ones that stand out to me are running back, obviously replacing Montgomery, receiver replacing Hakeem Butler, linebacker, how do you replace Willie Harvey? Those are the three main ones. But I think even at safety, there's some unanswered questions. You mentioned at the top, offensive line, that could be a battle. But it really seems like running back, receiver, linebacker, when you just look at it on the surface, those are massive position battles because they're, we know there's openings and they have to be filled. And it, 
it always happens every year they find guys to plug in and that's kind of comes back to what you said at the top is uh marcel spears wasn't on the depth chart until fall camp and then he goes out in 2017 and has a really great year uh mike rose wasn't on campus and i remember the first time tyson Vite brought up his name everybody kind of turned their head a little bit um because people knew the name but didn't know that he would come in and and be the type of player he was so and even going back um to was it spring ball 2017 and i think they were like hey there weren't many quarterbacks in the roster they're like hey do you guys want um Kyle Kemp, and we're like, Kyle, we're <laughs> right. like Kyle Kemp. We're like, we knew he was on the roster, but we're like, the the walk on quarterback. And I think we interviewed him, and then all of a sudden, he a month into the season, we we're like, oh, well, I guess it, we it was we kind of laughed at it, thinking back because it's like you sometimes do talk to some of these guys in the spring, and then all of a sudden they or you don't talk to them one way or the other, and then they're this big name in the, in the fall. Yeah, sports sports are so weird like that. It's like the Eagles having Carson Wentz as their quarterback, and then Nick Foles goes and wins a Super Bowl. It's just things that you, you wouldn't think. So just things shift and change all the time, but that's kind of what makes it fun is uh, especially I think we've in the past gone and done um, season projections and things like that and then gone back and kind of looked at what went you know, the way we thought and what didn't. Um, so there'll be plenty of that changes, but the, the identity thing is really big. And that's kind of um, what kind of comes down to them losing Butler and Montgomery is and PV and Harvey go down the line. Um, things are obviously going to shift uh, when those guys are not in. So who kind of steps in and fill the, fills those voids are, are going to be something that kind of starts now, but like you said, continues through the summer and fall. But um, I, I know there's plenty of names that we could come up with to, to do all those. So it's going to be kind of, you know, fun to see if it's a guy that's here right now or if there will be any true freshmen that kind of come in and, and stake any claim. So let's, um, you know, go through that broad question. Let's go through the position battles and just talk about what's kind of at stake for each of them and maybe some of the names that working in on but that you know Matt Campbell probably wants to see step up or that he he's mentioned by name that could go to the mix let's start on the offensive side and go with running back because that's one of the two or one of the three biggest battles one of the two biggest battles offensively David Montgomery's gone we know what he did the last two seasons he rushed for a thousand plus yards um he combined over those two years for 209 forced missed tackles according to pro football focus and that's probably the scariest thought, I think, for fans. Probably two scary thoughts for fans is, number one, you lose a guy that's rushed for 1,000 yards in each of the last two seasons, and you return, like, I don't know, like five hundred, less than 500 yards rushing. So that's a scary thought is there's just not much proven experience behind him. And the second thing is Montgomery forced 209 missed tackles, which leads to the point of how much – is it him and how much was it the offensive line? And so it's probably going to have to be a combination of the offensive line improves and then running back step up and not just some, there's not going to be probably just another David Montgomery that steps in, but that's kind of a scary thought just because of the unproven talent, but they do feel like they've got a lot of talent, whether it's Kanade Wonglu, Sheldon Crony, Johnny Lang that return, and then two four stars coming in. And one of them's on campus this spring in Brees Hall. Which is big. I think at least getting one of them on campus to go with Nwangu and Crony and Lang is is really important. And then um, Leonard Glass is in the mix too, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him because he is – I don't know. Do you call him a scat back? Uh, is that, that yeah, Iowa State considers him a scat back, and that could be either running back or could be a slot receiver. Right. They think he could play traditional receiver. I mean, um, I talked to Nate Shieldhouse on signing day, and he said that – in his state championship, their receiver got hurt, so they put him at receiver. He's just kind of this do-it-all guy. And Johnny Lang's five foot eight, Leonard Glass is five foot eight, but to me, they're still different players, even though they they're the same height. Right. So you're going to have plenty of weapons in in your uh, arsenal, so to speak. But um, everybody can do a little bit of something different. And um, obviously, Jirel Brock and and Brees Hall are going to get a lot of the attention just because of their credentials that they bring in. But I wanted to start with uh, Kane Nwangu. Um, we were both at the NFL combine the other week and David Montgomery, uh, was asked about all the running backs that are going to be in that room next year. And he obviously knows those two freshmen are going to be studs and likes what they're going to bring to the table. But he went really in depth about Kanae Wongu and said how ready he is to kind of, uh, be more of the guy and not, um, get, you know, sporadic carries here and there. And, and Kanae's always been fascinating to me and, um, has been hindered by injury, obviously. 
Um, but at six foot one and like, what is he? 205 pounds, 200, 205 pounds. Um, he, he's, he has a really interesting body and obviously has been known for, uh, his speed and his ability to hit the edge. So I think if the offensive line can take steps and be a little bit more consistent and hold blocks, even just a fraction of a second longer, uh, Kanena Wonga was a really interesting option just because his, he has so much burst. I think the big question from fans over the years is, I shouldn't say over the years, it's just been a couple years, but is he in every down back at that size? And I talked to one or two people, and one of them was during the season when Montgomery got hurt, and they said, Kane can be in every down back, and he can be uh, a next-level tight back, and obviously that's all potential. But people are really high in Nwangu, and I think one thing that you know fans, maybe even us media, kind of forget a little bit is, he was mentioned in the same breath as David Montgomery that first fall camp. You know, Lou Ieni referred to him and Montgomery as slash and dash, and they were both – we didn't know which one was better at that time, and we didn't know which one was going to break out and end up being Montgomery over the last few years, partially because of Nwankwu's injury that you mentioned. But who knows what Kane Nwankwu was going to be early in his career and what he can be now. I think that's one thing that sometimes we forget is he was talked about in that same breath and that same talent level um, – I think he's the leader in the clubhouse just because I think from seeing what he did against Oklahoma State and Texas when Montgomery missed a game and then was suspended for the first half, we kind of saw what he can actually do when he gets consistent carries. And um, the big thing I've been always been interested in the last year or so is kind of rushing efficiency, and that's something that Montgomery was so good at was, you know, I think it was 52% of his runs were four more yards, a first down, or a touchdown. And no one else is really close to that. I pulled up the other numbers and that I calculated. Kanae Nwangu was 43.6%. Johnny Lang was 36.4%. And Sheldon Cronin was 30%. So that's hard to judge, though, because they're not getting the carries that Montgomery got, you know, 257 carries. But Nwangu did a lot when he got those carries. And I just think he's going to get the first shot, um, it feels like. Although Matt Campbell will tell you probably that it's wide open because look, look at the depth chart last year and – they never listed a backup running back. It was kind of game to game. Even the Oklahoma State game, I think Johnny Lang started. Mm-hmm. And then the Texas game, I think Kane started. So And two years ago, it was Crony coming in. Yeah, against so, Kansas State. And Campbell will bring up those different instances. He'll be like, you know, Sheldon showed, showed glimpses against Kansas State. Kane showed glimpses against Oklahoma State. So they've never seen it. And that's the scary thing for them. But they obviously feel good about the talent. And then my bold prediction when I did my running back preview was that one of these two two freshmen, whether it's um, – I said four-star freshmen, not to leave out Leonard Glass, but uh, Jairo Brock or Brees Hall will start at least four games. That's kind of my bold prediction. But they've got good talent, and we've seen that running backs can come into a college program and play right away. So it just w- seems wide open, but I would probably – peg Kane as the early leader on March 12th but that's a long way from August 31st yeah again it's all going to come down to seeing those guys on a more every everyday type basis when you get into spring ball and and just kind of get into a feel and then everything changes once you get the full roster here Uh, I mean thinking about what this team was maybe but there were less questions last year just because you returned so many guys from that bowl team but you also lost um, Joel Lanning at linebacker. So there were things that had to be kind of figured out in terms of who would step into those. So um, seeing what this team is right now, it's going to be uh, probably quite a bit different once we get to the fall. But, uh, you know, having at least having the bodies there uh, and sign, being able to sign both of those guys in Brock and and Hall and then, again, Leonard Glass, um, just to kind of replenish some of that, you can just try out a bunch of different guys and see what works. So I think that's probably the biggest thing is they'll have – the opportunity and the options to to kind of find their every down back and their their go-to guy. When you look at the carries, Iowa State loses 75% of the carries from last season and rushing yards, eighty almost 81% of the rushing yards. So they lose pretty much everything. But, um, but that's going to be uh, the interesting battle to watch beginning of the spring. Uh, the other battle on the offensive side, the other main battle, I should say, is wide receiver. You lose Hakeem Butler, I think. People kind of forget that you also lose Matt Eaton, who didn't have 1,300 yards like Butler, but I think was had 27 catches on like 40 targets or so, something like that. So he was targeted a decent amount, had a decent amount of catches. Between the two of those guys, Iowa State graduates 152 targets, 
And that's kind of, I think, the big question is who gets the targets. Because if you get targeted, you're gonna the catches are going to go somewhere and the production is going to come. But every year is not the same. There's always a different number of passes. But all in all, roughly 152 targets, let's say, are up for grabs. The big question is who takes them. I don't think it's all going to be the receiver position. I think the tight ends are going to take bigger roles with Chase Allen and Charlie Kohler, maybe even running backs get involved in the passing game more. But at the end of the day, there's got to be a couple receivers that really step up. Tariq Milton, I think, is going to take a big step. Deshante Jones will take a big step. But that's still just two main guys. In most years under Campbell, we've seen four or five guys with 20-plus catches at the receiver position. Who are those next guys? I mean, that's the big question. I mean, Tariq's got to take a big step, and Deshante's got to take a big step. But they really need somebody to step up. And as we talked about at the beginning, sometimes in spring ball, you don't see the whole roster. And maybe it could one of those people could be someone who's not on campus yet. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just stick to the guys on campus right now just because um, they're fresh in my mind. But, again, Sean Shaw um, can come in and, and maybe be a guy. I've seen different um, – Instagram stories and, and from their workouts so far, and he looks huge. I mean, and he's a little, he's obviously going to be a different player than, than Butler, but I saw him at camp last year and he was huge in terms of just his long arm, his frame, frame. Is, but I think he's added a, in a year. It's crazy what sometimes they do in the weight program. I think he's bulked up to where he probably doesn't look like Butler did at the NFL combine, but he looks a lot better. Probably. I don't think I saw those pictures, but he looked a lot better than, you know, what I saw in camp where he's not, he's not just tall and skinny. He's now a little bit more muscular. Is having a guy like that is important because Tariq Milton has obviously shown he can be an outside receiver. And I think he will be, I, I think you'll see some, some deep balls to him this year. And he'll be a guy that you can kind of put wherever you need to, but having that complement of a taller wide receiver that you can split out far is, is big. And I think Sean Shaw could be that guy. Um, Joseph Skates, who obviously, um, you know, was talked about last year for some wrong reasons and, um, you know, was, was in trouble a couple times, suspended indefinitely twice. Um, but it sounds like he's back on track and he's been a guy that has had his name tossed around because I think the talent has never been the issue with him. It's just a matter of kind of, um, you know, staying on track with what he's supposed to do football wise. So I think he can certainly stake some claim in there. Uh, Jalen Martin is a guy that has been talked about the last couple years is um, needing his opportunity, waiting for his opportunity, could be a guy that, that could really come in and be some sort of asset to that group. Um, just hasn't gotten it yet. Maybe this is the year now where there's so many questions um, after Milton and Deshante Jones. Uh, maybe he's he can come in and, and finally get into some sort of rhythm that has kind of eluded him so far. So those are the few that stand out early other than the tight ends and running backs, which I think you will see a little bit more this year just because, um, you know, with with Montgomery, you're going to run him more than you're going to pass to him, even though he has that part of his uh, skill set uh, pretty well honed. And then Butler, um, you're just going to toss it up to him. So I think you could see the running backs more involved, the tight ends more involved. But you mentioned it's important to find those wide receivers that can come in and produce. My sleeper pick at receiver has been Josh Johnson for yes. a little while. Um, I think he's 5'11", but his wingspan is 6'2", almost, uh, between 6'1 and 6'2". So he can play outside. Everyone sees this slot receiver that's got to play M. Iowa State thinks he can play outside or inside. He had one catch on four targets last year, 11 yards against Baylor. I think it took him down to the goal line. But he was actually on the field a lot more than than his numbers show. He was the backup to Butler the entire year almost, I think, at the X position. And there's a lot of times he was out there. You know, I don't know if blocking or whatever, but he was out there and just was not targeted a ton. He's one guy that I, I could see just all of a sudden showing up and having 15, 20 catches. Um but there's a lot of competition because he's competing probably at that X spot with Jalen Martin, Sean Shaw, Joe Skates, and then Josh Johnson, those four. And you can't probably forget about Landon Akers completely. He had a couple, I think, tough possessions last year, but he had 10 catches on, I think, 19 targets last year. So he was already a guy last year that was targeted 20 times. And now, you know, he gets to be in there with 152 targets up for grabs somewhere. And um, you mentioned that, you know, Milton's going to have to be that guy that stretches the field. Akers is another guy that has the speed. I mean, there's just not a whole guy, a lot of guys that have proven experience of stretching the field and being that kind of guy outside of probably him and Milton. So it's going to be interesting to see step, who steps up. And this receiver position is a lot like running back is, you know, Joseph Skates was really well regarded out of high school. Sean Shaw was one of their top five players in that recruiting class too. Um, they've got a lot of talent that's, well regarded whether it's recruiting rankings or that Iowa State thinks highly of 
but Joseph Skates, Sean Shaw, Jalen Martin, and Josh Johnson, the four guys that are really competing to get more reps, I think have combined for three career catches. So, you know, that's the scary part for them. And that's what Campbell said is, you know, I think when, when we, I don't know if you talked about receivers, but I asked him about receivers when in our sit-down meetings this winter, and he said they really like that talent, but, you know, you're right that, you know, none of them have proven anything, and that's kind of now what they have to seek to do, you know, beginning March 12th. And it's, I don't even know if it's as simple to say that that's a negative. It's just an unknown. You just don't know. I mean, and that, and that's, again, scary is probably a good way to say it just because, um, you know, you, it's a hard, you have a hard, you can project all you want and you can say, oh, this guy has a long enough frame. He should be able to stretch the field. He should be able to kind of with his size, bully some DBs and, um, kind of create mismatches for linebackers. But, until you see it you just don't know and that's kind of the same thing with the offensive line and and everything is they can improve and they can kind of make tweaks and and figure things out but until you get out and get live reps just because it is so different than than practices or scrimmages uh, it's really hard to say but again kind of like running backs they are going to have the bodies there to kind of suss out who who could be that guy who's at least earned earned those reps, earned those opportunities. And um, again, I think those are probably some of the best candidates, at least right now on the roster that can go um, and, and compete, compete for those targets and those reps. And then they could bring in a body that we won't see it this spring, but Michael Petway's one grad transfer they're still after from Arkansas. Last year he had 30 catches for 499 yards. And he's a guy that could stretch the field. He's, he's I think, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, so he's that bigger body. And they're not bringing him in because they don't think they have talent. We just listed off some names. But they're bringing in, they would like to bring him in for that reason, that he is a little bit of proven experience and that at least they would have someone that's proven at this level that if Joseph Skates and Sean Shaw and those guys need more time, he would give it to him. So he's, you know, Auburn and, you know, Nebraska's trying to make a push and Iowa State. So it's competitive and who knows if he'll pick Iowa State, but him or someone else, another grad transfer, could still join that mix by the time uh, we get to fall camp. But for now, the guys we mentioned are the are the guys. The last uh, guy offensive or the last position offensively, and it's maybe not a clear battle. It's not like hey, this spot's up for grab grabs like running back or receiver. But the offensive line could see shuffling. If I had to put money on it, I'd say we will not see the same starting five that we saw in the Alamo Bowl start on August 31st against. You and I, I just think something's going to be different. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but Trevor Downing and Joey Ramos are a couple guys on the roster right now that could work their way into the offensive line. The one positive for the offensive line is they return a lot of experience. Really, for the first time, I think, since Campbell's been here, this is an experienced group. Uh, the, the people, the roster that's going to be in spring ball has made 114 career starts. They started 63 of 65 games last year. The only two starts that don't return are Josh Mueller, who left the program. Four of the five that started in the bowl game, that if that's who they put out there the first spring practice, um, are seniors. Uh, Colin Newell's got experience after playing as a freshman last year. It seems to be in a good spot, but it's just you can't really believe anything be until you see it in action because we're going to hear about improvement. I'm sure they're going to make improvement. Their bodies are going to probably continue to develop. The depth has definitely developed. I think they're probably eight. They can probably go seven, eight, nine, and that's kind of the number they want to be is eight. But until we get to fall camp, I don't know if, if we can believe everything until we see visual evidence. Yeah, that, that's going to be the thing with that group is what we're going to talk about them a ton here in the next several months. But what are they going to look like when when the lights come on and you actually get out there on the field? Because again, and it's not to you know go all gloom and doom with them because I think there were times last year where they did look like they were improved and they things were working right um but like anything that, that group is is far from there yet there are going to be bumps in the road um you know Colin Newell I thought did good things but there were times he looked like a freshman which is fair um that's a tough position to play at that age um just because of all you have to pay attention to um you're hoping by now that um you know I think we can both agree that Josh Kniffle um you know, he's excellent. I think he does a really nice job and he's big, physical, um, really, really solid anchor to that right side. Um, you're hoping at this point that Bryce Meeker and Julian Good-Jones can be playing some of their best football um, and, and really trust them. And again, with Good-Jones at left tackle, um, that's a tough spot. And he was new to that position too, because he's been moved around from um, what was he, right guard or right tackle as a freshman, then he was center as a sophomore, left tackle as a 
as a junior. So, um, you know, it just the instability with that group because of injuries, because of attrition, whatever it is, has always kind of held them back. Um, but now you're hoping that with all the experience they had last year and just, you know, some of the known commodities you have, um, it's going to make that make things a little bit easier for, for that group coming into 2019. So uh, I think there's a lot of things that are going to be sorted out, but um, at least there are names that are familiar. Yeah, Josh Kniffel, my bold prediction for the offensive line was that Josh Kniffel wins Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year, which I didn't know if that was bold enough. I didn't really know what to go with, but he got a vote last year. It's, he, it's probably bold, but, um, yeah, it, he's great. I think he's really good. And he got a vote for that award last year, and Matt Campbell's called him one of the best offensive linemen in the Big 12, and I think he'll probably play in the NFL. So um, he's kind of the known thing, and then he's the only spot I would say, like, I think that's going to be the guy at that position. Even if it's – I'm not saying other guys aren't going to play or whatever, but even if maybe other guys switch around because they can, he's the only guy that's be like he's for sure going to be at, at right guard. The other one I would say maybe close, I'd probably say Bryce Meeker is at right tackle. But a guy like Joey Ramos coming on makes you wonder, like maybe even he's not safe in terms of that exact position. So it's going to be interesting. I think Trevor Downing and Joey Ramos are two names to really keep an eye on this spring. Um, but even Robert Hudson, I think it's going to be interesting to see what his next step is. I've seen him in a lot of their various videos that they put out through winter workouts. Um, he's always had the size. It's just he's pretty new to football in terms of when he got to Iowa State. He hadn't had a lot of football history, I don't think. And so he's just kind of a continual developmental guy, but he's going to be going into his redshirt sophomore year. So they've got bodies there. You know, they switched a guy like Colin Olson from a walk-on to a guy that started 11 games last year and was at the very least serviceable. Um, I think early on was grading out pretty well. So they've got the bodies. It's just like, can it all come together? Because you can't rely on David Montgomery anymore breaking all those tackles. You've got to create more holes. And some of that can be done with um, – the, the F position, which is not really a battle, but Sam Seenbuckner's gone. They really liked him. And now Dylan Sainer is probably going to have to step in there. So um, just real quick before you move on, I, I think the Tom Manning piece of all this is interesting too. He's not going to be, you know, the guy day to day that is going to, like we said at the top, be, be looking at all five positions and really, um, you know, overanalyzing it. Jeff Myers, they're really high on him as, as a young coach. I think, um, you know, it's, it's his group obviously, and he's going to be the guy that kind of gets into the nitty gritty, but Tom Manning at least brings another set of experienced eyes. He knows some of those older guys recruited some. Um, he just has, uh, it's just another set of experienced hands to go in there and be a resource. Um, so having that piece of it combined with some of the experience they do bring back, I think all makes that interesting as we head into the spring ball and then the rest of the off season. Yeah, it almost feels like they have three offensive line coaches, Tom Manning, Jeff Myers, and Matt Campbell, I think, spent a lot of time down there last year. And he's he's a trenches guy. He likes both both offensive and defensive line uh, coaching, but he's pretty involved there too. So it almost feels like they have three offensive line coaches, which isn't probably a bad thing for them to have right now. Okay, so let's switch over to defense now, and we'll round out this episode in this spring football preview by talking about the last few position battles and I mentioned that three stood out earlier, running back, receiver, and linebacker. We talked about the first two. The biggest battle this spring on defense is linebacker. Obviously, Iowa State returns two of the three starters at linebacker. Mike Rose is back for his sophomore season. Marcel Spears is back for his senior season. But Willie Harvey's gone. I think a lot of people, I won't want to say they undervalued Willie Harvey, but he made a lot of starts over three, four years and was just kind of a consistent piece. And now he's gone and you've got to somehow replace him. That's really the biggest question to me when you look at the defensive side. Yeah, absolutely. And he might be a guy that is even a candidate for an NFL free agent, you know, opportunity after the draft. I think um, he is kind of maybe overlooked at times unfairly because he was effective when he was out there, but just for whatever reason, you know, um, you know, other pieces kind of um, drew people's attention away. But uh, I, I think you can start with three guys probably that are candidates to go fill in for that. Um, you know, Jay Kamono, Ryan Vance are guys that came in in relief last year and um, were, were pretty solid and um, had been names that have been talked about for a while as guys that can come in and contribute. But I think the biggest one, literally and figuratively, is Will McDonald, who was a guy that came on really strong um, and played a few games last year, ended up red shir- redshirting under that new rule. 
um, but had had monster plays against TCU. He had that strip sack um, that Iowa State ended up getting and scoring one of its its what well, what what was it one of its two touchdowns on uh, in that road trip. Uh, I think he, at six four two twenty he's listed as a redshirt freshman. He's a guy that is intriguing because he can play linebacker and defensive line, but. Um, yeah, they're going to have options there too. And uh, like I mentioned, Hummel and Vance have played um, a couple years now or a year. They have experience. Um, and McDonald is kind of that unknown, intriguing option. Yeah, McDonald, when Campbell brought that up, um, I was pretty surprised at first. But then I think when you think about it more, it makes some sense. I think they think he's just one of their best 11 players potentially, and they just want him on the field. And he's not going to replace Jaquan Bailey going into a senior season going to hold the all-time career sacks record when he's done. He's cemented at that Leo defensive end spot. So if he's not going to play enough snaps there to to warrant him being a defensive end, I think they're thinking, hey, let's find a way to get him on the field and maybe that's going to be outside linebacker. Now they could go through spring ball and they see him and they say he's more of a defensive end than a linebacker, but it makes sense when you get 15 practices to at least see if he fits there. Now long-term, he's still got four years left in his career – Potentially, maybe he's good enough to leave early. It's probably a little premature, but maybe he'll play linebacker this year to get him on the field, and then he'll when Jaquan Bailey graduates, he'll go back to defensive end. I'm not ruling that out because part of it is like, are they experimenting because they think he can be a really good linebacker, or do they just think he's one of the best 11 and they want him on the field? That's my question, but either way, if he's one of the best 11, um, then you know he could be the guy that replaces Willie Harvey, which is crazy to think because we would have never – probably I would have never really thought about this even back in the fall but I guess it makes sense if Matt Campbell I think his quote was like he's the most pure athletic guy on the roster they think or one of them and if he is that that athletic then he can probably do either because at Toledo sometimes that defensive end spot was kind of a a stand-up guy and that's the type of defensive end Will McDonald is is just this athletic pass rusher. Yeah, and this isn't exactly how they always intended, but it's kind of under that same umbrella and philosophy that they have for um, what they do offensively or defensively, where it's players, formations, plays. So I think it is, it's a really good point that they identify their 11 best players, try to find ways, okay, so this position's taken by this guy because he's really good. This position's taken by this guy because he's really good. How can we get this other really good player on the field? And I think um, being able to make that subtle switch from defensive line to linebacker um, is is really intriguing. And his body allows for it, I think. He, I mean, he's big at 6'4", 220. I mean, that's that's some good, he has good size, but um, it's not the craziest thing, like you mentioned, as the way you just broke it down, I think he can be a good fit there. Um, But if he's not, uh, again, you have guys there in Hummel and Vans that that can kind of fill in and be your your speed guys and and be physical on the edge too. And part of the reason we're talking about it is because there really aren't a lot of battles on the defensive line. That defensive line returns all 39 starts from last season. and that includes a couple guys of, as depth because that's Jaquan Bailey, Ray Lima, Andy Wasrika will probably start across the front. And then you got Matt Leo and Jamal Johnson who made starts last year. That's five guys. And then you add in Zach Peterson, Tucker Robertson, Isaiah Lee, Will McDonald. It just gets kind of log jammed. And so really you just lose Spencer Benton. And not to say just because I thought he came in and was solid, but you do have a lot of guys that you can go to. And, it, and that's really the spot that's up for grabs is backup defensive end. And if you think Will McDonald – is what he is, then you don't want him to play that fewer snaps. You want him to play more snaps, and maybe that will be linebacker, maybe it won't. But those are the three main names, I think, going into camp. Um, Not to discount um, Gary Vaughn or Chandler Pulvermacher. Those are guys that got into games as true freshmen. Tymar Sutton, I think this is kind of the time for him to show up. You know, he's a a redshirt junior, uh, had some injuries early in his career. But maybe this is the next step for him. The, the thing beyond just, hey, who replaces Willie Harvey is Matt Campbell and Tyson Vite, the linebackers coach, have kind of always said um, they want to have six guys at linebacker because they do like to rotate. And we saw that last year where Vance was rotating in with, you know, Mike Rose in the middle or Hummel was rotating in for Marcel Spears. It really feels like they've got four guys that we know, Marcel Spears, Mike Rose, Ryan Vance, Jake Hummel. So there is a spot up for grabs. But there's really two linebacker spots up for grabs to be in that six-man group. So it, it goes a little bit more wide-reaching than just replacing Willie Harvey um, because there are reps up for grabs because they do even lose a Regan Northrop who played some snaps and, and that sort of thing. That's really the last of the main battles. But to end the show, let's talk about one other one that I still think is kind of a battle. 
not safety, because I think Daytron Young and Anthony Johnson are going to replace the two corners. Uh, Keontae Jones, it sounds like, has, has taken steps and could be in that picture this spring. Arnold Azuna's there. Tavon Kyle's moved from receiver to to corner. So there's there's various names, and they've got to battle it out. But I think we kind of have a general idea of what that's going to look like. Safety's a little bit less so. I think we know that Greg Eisworth is going to be a starter at safety. But who's going to start at the other two spots? Um, that's the big question. Lawrence White, I think, still needs to prove himself a little bit more. Matt Campbell uses the word consistency with him, that he's shown really good signs, especially against Texas. But can he be consistent? Um, does Jeterius Grant take a step? Could Anthony Johnson Jr. move to safety? That's a question. So I just think safety, other than Greg Eisworth, there's no guy that you're like, he's for sure going to be starting against you and I. Yeah, Braxton Lewis is another guy. Lewis, he, yeah. he has experience at least. Uh, um, he really kind of came on and, um, you know, was a little bit more of of relief as he kind of tried to suss out what was what was going to work in the back end because DeAndre Payne was moving from corner to safety and, and to star specifically, and they were trying to figure out um, maybe the best combination of guys back there. But I think he comes in and plays really physical and solid. Um, Richard Bowens, Javion Morton, I mean, they're going to have guys, again, it's kind of like wide receiver where you have – these bodies back there, but it's, um, you know, who kind of seizes that opportunity because I think, um, as you mentioned, Greg Eisworth is, is kind of locked into that spot, but they are going to have uh, a couple up for grabs. And um, it does, it does give you some comfort probably that Eisworth came in and, and played so well and played as much as he did. Um, you'll have guys that are now, even though they're young, they're experienced in Daytron Young and Anthony Johnson Jr. Um, at the corners, but uh, that's going to be as as much as the Big Twelve, um, you know, passes and uh, you know touts offense. Uh, finding guys to kind of fill in in those slots back there is going to be really important. But again, uh, a lot of the candidates I think are on campus right now, so it's just a matter of kind of who takes the first step in that area. Yeah, you mentioned a couple names that I think are most intriguing to me. Javion Morton's really intriguing. He dealt with the suspension stuff too, but he was a guy that they were talking about going into or in fall camp as a guy that could play early. Now he could get that shot. Braxton Lewis is a good point. I think after Greg Eisworth, I'd probably put Braxton Lewis as the most sure starter if I had to pick another guy that's like, I think he'll start. But it still leaves a spot up for grabs. Um, They've looked at graduate transfer corners. I think if they brought in a grad transfer corner still before the fall, that would open up the door then for uh, Anthony Johnson to move to safety because they think he can play any spot. And I almost wonder if he's going to end up playing the nickel-type spot. So he will be interesting where the, what DeAndre Payne, I guess, even end up playing. So he's going to be kind of the wild card piece that could affect things. Like, is there a third corner that steps up that allows him to move to safety? Then I think that completely changes the whole picture of the secondary. But a lot of those names, like you said, at receiver, they're young. Javion Morton – Richard Bowens, Ashim Young's going to come in as a highly regarded safety, but he won't be here until June. Um, but there's going to be a lot of young names there, and it's going to be kind of who steps up to take them. But that's probably the biggest question on the defense outside of the linebackers, and then it joins the offensive questions of running back, receiver, and then a little bit offensive line. Let's end with this. Um, one or two, I guess. Is there one or two players that you are most interested or in seeing in the spring or – seeing a guy that you think is going to maybe be a breakout guy that in the fall is like glad we watched him in the spring. Oh man, that's a good question. I should have prepared for it a little bit, but I guess it would have maybe defeated some of the purpose. Um, gosh, I, I might just be lazy and see and say Brees Hall um, again, just because of the importance of that position and some of the unknowns that that presents. Um, I think he's, he's really intriguing. So um, have his combination of size and, and, um, you know, the height and weight is, is just really um, – it's going to be fascinating to see kind of what he does with those reps. Um, and then defensively, I'll, I'll say Will McDonald. And, again, we talked about him a lot. Um, but his, his flashes were certainly noticeable in his reps last year. So I think, um, you know, it, and it, the thing is, it, with the, it's all these young guys, I think, that are, are really standing out. And they have some – they have a ton of solid pieces – of veterans and stuff, obviously, but having these young guys come in and, and kind of compete um, for these reps is, is kind of, um, you know, I think what 
Matt Campbell envision? Obviously, um, you know, you'd, you'd want your older guys to kind of take those reps and, and run with them, but having the competition and these kinds of jobs being open to any number of guys, I think is, is really interesting. So those are probably two that I'll look for, but uh, I'm sure if I kind of comb through the roster, there would be a couple more that, that jump out. I'll stick with on offense, Josh Johnson, because he's my been my breakout guy. So I don't want to deviate from that. But Joseph Skates and Sean Shaw, I think, are just as intriguing to see because we've never seen them in action now. Like, just one of them step up to be a, not the guy necessarily, even, but even a Matt Eaton type of guy. Um, but I'll stick with Josh Johnson just because I think um, he could be a really intriguing player. And Hakeem Butler said he's the best route runner on the team. So I'll go with him. And then uh, defensively, there's a couple interesting guys. I mentioned Javion Morton before. You already mentioned McDonald, so I'll steer clear of that. But um, I'm going to go with Keontae Jones at corner because he played as a freshman, a redshirt freshman, and then or a true freshman, and he played too late to get a medical redshirt, so he burned his redshirt. Last year they redshirted him to get the redshirt back, and now we're starting to hear some buzz that maybe he's could be in the mix, whether it's at corner or safety. I, th- I feel like maybe he's more at corner, but he can play either. And so he's kind of a guy that if he can step up at corner or something, um, maybe it gives them more depth than there's perceived to be at that spot. Because I don't know how much depth there is just because it's unproven outside of Anthony Johnson and Daytron Young. Um, there's not a ton of depth there. Um, there's a lot of talent they like. And maybe Keontae Jones is the guy that takes a step into that picture. So that's probably it. I think we've, we've went through everything. There'll be more to talk about um, later on once we get through spring ball and all that sort of thing. But spring ball, again, starts March 12th, goes through April 20th. There's no spring game, but uh, there'll be plenty of coverage at the Ames Tribune and 247sports.com as we talk to all the coaches, all these position groups, and dive into probably some more of these battles. So thanks for joining me, Dylan. Hopefully by March 26th it will be warmer than 22 degrees and no snow. But um, we're talking spring ball, so that's a positive. Yeah, I'll keep my fingers crossed. Uh, I was walking over to Wells Fargo Arena um, today to cover a little state tournament basketball, and it, it felt like Christmas was only a couple weeks away. So hopefully we can kind of get away from that here in, in the next few. So that'll do it for this edition of the Cyclone Scoop. Thanks for joining in. I think the next one's going to be basketball-focused and get you geared up for March Madness. So um, listen in then, and uh, thanks again for listening in to this edition of the Cyclone Scoop.